Good morning. Today I'm going to read out of Philemon 11 through 20. That's Philemon 11 through 20. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your own me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. Hope this will be a much better or more restful week than what we had last week. I want to continue with our theme of looking toward forgiveness. And this morning, I want to specifically look at the concept of reconciliation and restoration and peace within the church and things that we can do to help one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. When I look at the scriptures, I think about Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus says, if you know that you've offended somebody, go to them. And Matthew chapter 18 says, if somebody's offended you, you go to them. And both parties are to be active there. When we look in the book of Philemon, we see someone who sees that there might be a little bit of resistance there or, or hardship on behalf of one being reconciled to the other, of a man named Onesimus, that's what, who Paul was talking about, being reconciled to his master Philemon. And so Paul writes Philemon and to help with that and to restore their relationship and for the greater good. And this morning we're going to make application of that, and I hope this will be very edifying to you. And we're looking at the subject of restoring peace, hope, and love. All right, so the gospel restores peace, hope, and love to all of life's problems, from marriage and children to work and our finances. God is the source. And when we start thinking about the trials that we have, the problems that we have, we must go back to Him, put our reliance upon Him. As we think about these passages here that we're going to look at this morning, we've got to think in that way. And God has a design. He gives meaning to my life. And in doing that, He has a design. He has a purpose the way that I work, the way that I behave, the way that I operate within my marriage and relationships and within the church. And when we sin, we're essentially walking into a broken scenario. We break things. We go contrary to God's ideal of what is right and what is just and what we should be doing. And so we must come back to him to seek his restoration through the gospel. I want to look at that and how the Bible offers that to us this morning. 
We think about the trials and the problems we have. How can we make it easier for one another to be at peace and to live with one another in love? Well, first of all, where do we find peace? We find it in God. We find the ultimate access to peace in God, the forgiveness that comes through Him, the peace apart from any wrath that would be due to us. And certainly as sinners, God's wrath is due to us. And this is what we see in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Scripture says this, Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, since we've been made right by faith before God, that's what he's saying, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is Christ who brought the ministry of reconciliation, who reconciled us to God, who has done this ultimately giving us forgiveness that we can help others, and we want to encourage this among our brethren. And he says, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. The grace in which we stand, the forgiveness of sins. He says, when we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And very true, we can rejoice in those things when we know we've been made right with God through Christ and what he's done. He says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. A character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. And anybody who's been a Christian long enough, you know what it's like to be able to rejoice in your hope, to know that in the midst of sufferings that we develop character from those things, that it produces endurance within us so that we will not be put to shame. We put our complete hope in Christ. He says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What's my point here is that Christ is our source and our access. The very fact that he has forgiven us and he's given us peace allows us to want to encourage others to do that. I remember when I first wanted to become a minister, the objective in my heart, I thought, if I could offer something, I'd hope that it would be peace. Peace in the doctrine of Christ and following the truth of God's word. My objective was to bring about unity and to help to encourage that. I don't know if I've done a very good job of that at all, but I'm going to continue to focus on that. And I think this lesson this morning will encourage us to think about that. Think about how we could be better at peace with one another. So what can Christians do more to restore that peace among one another? How do we tap into that source? How do we encourage one another? And what we're going to see this morning is Paul did that. Well, Paul wrote to Philemon, as we just read, Barry read it for us. He says, anything you might hold against Onesimus, Count it to me. Have you ever done that for a brother or sister in Christ? Have you ever heard somebody in, in the congregation? Sometimes we'll have someone new come in and say, you know, that person over there kind of offended me, or that person just kind of seems, I don't know about them. And I've heard that sometimes within the brotherhood. Somebody would say that to me. I said, oh, you don't know them yet. Let me tell you about them. Uh, don't let them be offended. If they said anything to you that was offensive, just take it that they were having a bad day. Count it to me. And, and brethren, we need to be doing that for one another. We know that if somebody has a sincere heart and they're trying to do their best, is to plead with our other brethren who has fences against them to say, oh, they were just having a bad day. Let's go and talk to them or I'll communicate on your behalf and try to bring about some peace and reconciliation. And that's exactly what we got in an example of the book of Philemon. Wonderful, wonderful book and teaching us how we can help in this. How can Christians encourage forgiveness, reconciliation, unity? We get that in Paul. I imagine Paul has a lot to learn on this. When we're in the book of Acts, 
There is contention at one point between Paul and Barnabas over Mark and whether he would come with them on their second missionary journey. It says there is a sharp disagreement with them. And even among brethren sometimes and Christians in the church, there can be sharp disagreements, even though they have the same goal and the same focus. And that shouldn't actually break our unity or break any kind of reconciliation. But we do have examples of this in Scripture And I wonder how much Paul had learned from that event and how he helped others to be reconciled. Many Christians, they often follow, we follow our broken ways, the way that I want to do it my way and not God's way. I know God's design, or maybe I can see it, or maybe I should know it. I should know the Bible. But I do it apart from that, and I start living by my own standard and make my own shortcuts. And a lot of people do this. And when we do that, we see that we very much need, we need God. We need Him uh, there. The only answer is really through the gospel. It's by the gospel that we're saved that we have forgiveness. It's that source and power from Christ who's forgiven us that gives us the ability to forgive others, to move forward, to love one another. So the answer to these broken ways, still the gospel. It remains that way. The gospel restores God's plan and his design. When we look at what the Scriptures say, God made us in His image in the very beginning. He puts man and woman there in the garden. It was there that they sinned, and everybody has sinned since then. We've broken away from God's ideal and that plan, but God already had a greater plan, a plan to ultimately defeat evil and defeat sin. And in that broken state in which we are apart from God and because of our sins, God sent Christ. It's that gospel that restores is that gospel that helps us. What I want to encourage you as well this morning is when we look at life's problems, when we look at controversies in our marriage or in the workplace, whatever difficulties we face, we go to the Bible. We look to reconciliation, the way that Christ has brought us together again with God through his sacrifice. And we think about the examples of Paul to Philemon. And we're going to look at a little bit more details than that this morning. So if you have your Bibles, open up. We're going to look a bit more into Philemon. So you got a little, I guess you call it a one-chapter book or no-chapter book, just a simple letter here, and one that is so beautiful. And this is what Paul says. He says, Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. So Paul's writing on behalf of Onesimus, the servant of Philemon. Philemon lives in Colossae in Asia Minor. And here across the other side of the sea, Onesimus has come in contact with Paul. And in the act of meeting Paul, he becomes a Christian and is able to minister and to serve Paul while Paul is in prison. And so Paul writes on behalf of Onesimus back to Philemon, who's a Christian in Colossae, and says, receive him back. And I appeal to you, not by command, even though I could command you, I appeal to you in the love of Christ to accept him back. He says, I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. In other words, I was able to help him and lead him to Christ. And Paul has used this statement before that someone becoming his child or him becoming their father because of the sense that he led them to Christ to become a Christian. Look with me a little bit further here. We're going to make some observations here in Philemon, verses 11 through 20, as Barry's already read for us. This is what I observed from the text. Paul sent an estimate back to his master, Philemon, as a useful servant, and his departure was forever 
good. In other words, Onesimus left, but it ended up for being for the greatest of good for eternity. We see this, Onesimus would return as more than a bondservant, but also a beloved brother. And so Paul appeals to that. Don't just have him as a bondservant. He is your brother in Christ. And then he says Paul appeals to receive Onesimus, included in accepting Onesimus' debt of any wrong on his account. Now, Onesimus might have become a servant because of some kind of debt he owed or what he had done. In fact, it sounds like that when you read Philemon. Paul says any kind of debt that is owed, that Onesimus didn't do his proper work, that he had departed from you, account it to me. And Paul makes this point. He says, you even owe me your own life. Ever thought about that? Someone who has taught you the gospel, who taught you the gospel when you were saved and you were baptized, that you owe them your life. Paul says that. Paul sought the benefit of Philemon, again saying, you had owed me that he owed his life to him. So let's read that again from the text. See if you make any other observations here that I brought out right here. So verse 11 says, Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but by your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you. Think about this. Paul says, this perhaps is why he departed from you for, from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in flesh and in the Lord? And so if you consider me your partner, Receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. This epistle's beautiful. This is what reconciliation should happen in the church. When we think about a brother and sister in Christ, one who has something against another, we'll be willing to do what Paul did right here, to take our time, to make a plea on their behalf, to say, please accept them. I love this brother in Christ. Count it to my account. Count it to me. Count any wrong or debt to me. So we'll ask some questions here. Must Philemon forgive Onesimus because Christ forgave Philemon? The answer would be what? Yes. Here you have Onesimus evidently repenting, changing his life, becoming a Christian. Philemon here, Paul pleads with him, forgive him, even on my own account. And I think it's very interesting to read this. 1 Timothy 1.10 says that kidnapping or enslaving someone is wrong. It doesn't appear that Philemon did that. Uh, Philemon had enslaved Onesimus, but Onesimus was in debt. Maybe he had committed some kind of crime or theft in which he became a servant to Philemon. It's usually how it happened in the ancient world as someone became a bondservant. Should a master have to forgive his bondservant for deserting? In this case, yes. Paul pleads with him, accept him back, accept him as a brother in Christ. Paul appeals to Philemon, and he sets an example for us of restoration in the church. Now, we see this man, and we've seen others like Onesimus, who've changed their life, who've been forgiven. And sometimes Paul speaks of certain individuals who have sinned, who go around 
taking the gospel and taking the truth and they corrupt it. Paul in Colossians calls them enemies of Christ. And he says, those who are trying to persuade you to go a different direction, he says, I wish that they would be cut off from you, that they would be removed from you. Paul would not appeal reconciliation for this individual who's not repented, who's not changed, the heart is not changed. And in fact, we read about this. As Paul speaks about this, we were studying 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, a man named Alexander who offended him greatly and hurt him, Hymenaeus and Philetus who taught that the resurrection was already past. They were teaching false doctrine and leading people astray from the faith. And Paul talks about them and he says, as far as Alexander and Hymenaeus, I've turned them over to Satan. I've withdrawn fellowship with them so they'll learn not to sin if they'll come back. In 2 Timothy 4 and verse 14, Paul expressed, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. In this example, Paul takes that one who's offended him, that enemy of Christ, and has withdrawn from him and turned him over to God. Not that he's going to be resentful or take out his own vengeance, but he's turned it over to God to handle that. And maybe in the course of time, Alexander will become a Christian and be restored. When we look at examples like this, we look at for our brethren. We're not saying in the sense of saying, well, this false teacher over here, take their sin upon me. That's not what Paul was saying to Philemon. He's saying, here's Onesimus, a man who's changed his life, who's repented, who's good, who's trying to do right, who's trying to follow God and to follow Christ. Accept him back. And we learn from these examples from Paul of how to handle certain situations. And as Christians, we can help restore peace, hope, and love in the lives of others through the gospel. We can come back to that. We can make an appeal through Christ to make things right in our life. The more as we see problems in our life, I hope that we will go back to the Scriptures and God's Word. How many times have you had a problem, some struggle? Maybe it's a money issue. Maybe it's an issue in your family. You find yourself that you spend a lot of time worrying about it, focusing on it, instead of letting go of it or, or praying about it. Sometimes I've done it. We just kind of churns within us, wondering what we're going to do about it, rather than simply turning it over to God and praying to Him. And sometimes it takes us time. How can Christians help make an appeal for the Christian faith? Well, we set an example, just like Paul did here, with making Onesimus right with Philemon and helping to reconcile the relationship. Today, when we think about others who might be struggling, we might hear their problems and might say, we might see how here's God's design and here's his plan, and they've broken it and they've gone astray. We know the answer to that. It's the gospel. And what can we say to them? How can we help to restore others or to direct others to the truth? Or maybe we say something like this. I have something that's really helped me. May I share it with you? How it's changed me. How it's made my marriage better how it's made my finances better, how it's made work better, how it's made my commitment my life to others better, and how I love and serve them. I found that I've broken from God's design, and I've sinned and done wrong. And every time I try to fix things do it my way, it just gets worse. And then I turn to Christ, and I follow the gospel. I know that there's change, and I know that things can get better. And rather than I plead with you this morning to hear that, think about that and how we speak to others help reconcile them to Christ. Before we finish this morning, I encourage you, look at Galatians. Look at what Paul says here in chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. 
In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul says, Anybody who's in opposition, who's teaching wrong, and you want to encourage them to repent, correct them with gentleness. And here he says, Restore this person with a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Oh, we might be tempted. We might sin. We might need that same gentleness from God. He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's what I see in Paul. That's what I see in him writing Philemon. And that little book can do a lot to help unite the church, encourage us to be reconciled again through trials and difficulties. I encourage you this morning, when you look at these passages, and you'll continue to draw from the gospel, from the scriptures, Though our lives will be broken, the answer is God's design, and the restoration of that design is only through the gospel. It's what restores us and gives us hope and love for one another. We want to encourage these things. This morning, you haven't obeyed the gospel of Christ. Christ did this for you. He took your sins on his account while you were yet sinners. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 and verse 8. This is the power of God to salvation. It is that that gives us power to forgive, to reconcile, to love others, and to restore brothers and sisters in Christ. By sin, all broken from God's ideal. We've all sinned against God, against his glory. And in this, God has sent Christ, living a sinless life, to reconcile us. This morning, leave that gospel. You need to be reconciled to God. It is through Christ, through that ministry, what he did to bring about forgiveness. It's through the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. This morning, if you haven't become a Christian, you're not saved yet. Your sins are not forgiven if you've not been baptized yet. The Bible says that we must die to our sins, having confessed faith in Jesus, to rise up from baptism into the newness of life. And this morning, if you need to obey the gospel, you need to be baptized, do it. You need encouragement, prayers. If you can call on one of your brothers and sisters to help reconcile a relationship with another brother or sister, do that. We encourage you to come right now while we stand and while we sing. Please come.